Good morning. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Uh, so you can go ahead and flip there. Uh, just like Pastor Lee said, I'm Landon Davis. Some of you may remember me. I did, uh, I did spend quite a bit of time here while I was in college, and it is so good to be back here this morning worshiping with you guys. I told Pastor Lee, this is the first time since I've been at Pickens View that I've been to another church on Sunday morning. That, that's one thing they don't tell you about being a pastor. You don't get to visit other churches anymore. So uh, it is good to be back here uh, for this first time. And it's good to be back here on a day uh, this week where we're going to celebrate those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And and if you're anything like me, uh, Memorial Day, it stirs up feelings of patriotism and loyalty and nationalism and and pride in our country. But it also, for many, can can stir up feelings of grief and sadness uh, for those who have maybe been a family member or a close friend of someone who has paid that ultimate sacrifice for our country. So we want to be mindful of that. Maybe you reach out to someone you know this week, encourage, pray for, lift up, uh, because we always want to be mindful of that at a time like this. And it's also good uh, to be here on a day where it looks like we got some kiddos in the audience, the, the everybody, the family uh, week, so that is good. Um, but let's, let's, let's be mindful as we go into this week as we remember the heroes of our country, and that's what they are. They are heroes. And, and I want to look at a passage in scripture today, Hebrews 11, um, that is, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with this passage, it's about a lot of heroes of the Bible. It's about a lot of heroes of our faith. It's been called many different things. Some people call it the Hall of Faith, the Faith Hall of Fame, Heroes Passage. Uh, so we're going to look, we're going to dive into that this morning. We're going to go through pretty much uh, the whole chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but before I get into it, uh, I, th- there's kind of five parts to this chapter. There's kind of five parts, and we're going to look at three of them. There's a little introduction right at the beginning, a list of people and how they have faithfully served God, a short explanation in the middle, another list of people and how they faithfully served God, and the conclusion. We're going to look at that introduction, the explanation, and the conclusion today. We're not going to get too deep into the, the list because Again, we got the kiddos in here this morning. I think it's like 40 verses in this chapter, so that could be a long one. But, um, but we're going to get started there. We're going to start in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendations. So right here in these first two verses, this is the intro to the passage of People who are heroes of the faith. And what we have here is we have a definition of faith and we have a purpose of faith. Right in the first two verses, this is how the chapter is set up. The first verse says, faith is assurance of what is hoped and conviction for what we cannot see. That is a definition of faith. A a good biblical definition of biblical faith that I think that I found this week that I want to share with you. Biblical faith is a firm belief that God is who he says he is, has done what he said he has done, and will do what he says he will do. That's the definition of genuine biblical faith of a believer. And and mainly that means faith in what the Bible says, faith that the Bible is true, faith that the Bible, what the Bible says about God is true, and what the Bible says God will do is true. So we have that definition to start out this chapter, and then we have a purpose of faith in verse 2. It says, by this, by faith, people of old received their commendation. So 
I looked at a few different versions of this. I, I, I use the ESV. I looked at a few different versions of this this week. And other versions, instead of saying receive their commendations, may say gained approval or were commended. I think the King James says obtained a good report. So, so this, we have the definition of faith, then we, then we have the purpose. By faith, because of this faith, the people of old received commendations from God, gained approval from God, gained a good report from God. This means it was not by the actions these people did. It was not by the things they did in their life. It was by their faith in God they obtained a good report. And it's the same for us today. It's the same for the believer today. Nothing has changed. These people weren't right with God. They weren't seen as right with God because they prayed or because they tried to do the right things. They were seen as right with God because they believed in who he said he was. And it's the same for us today. We are seen as right with God if you are a believer because you have faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. So nothing is so this is how the chapter is set up. A definition of faith and the purpose of faith. And then it moves on from there. And it goes into this list. And again, I'm not going to get deep into this list, but just a couple of things the list mentions is it mentions Abel for giving a better offering than Cain, having faith in God to give a better offering and faith that God will supply what he needed. It speaks of Enoch, who was so faithful to God, he was just taken up to heaven, didn't even die, just taken up to heaven. He was so faithful to God. It speaks of Noah, who had faith in what the Lord said was going to happen and constructed the ark. It speaks of Abraham, who moved to a new land because God had told him, you're going to be the father of a great nation. That's going to bless the whole earth. And he had faith in that. He had no reservations, and he moved because he believed it. It speaks of Sarah, who conceived a bore child even after she was too old. It, it, it lists these people, and again, it's not the actions that they did that are being praised in this chapter. It's the faith they had that was being praised in this chapter. All these people, it starts out and it says, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Sarah did this. By faith, these people did this. It is the faith that is commended for these people. And then we get into the explanation. This is where I want to spend a little bit of time this morning. We, if you'll go down to Hebrews 11, chapter 13 through 16. And it says these words. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it right here, the first verse. It, it, it amazes me that these people lived and faithfully served God, and they didn't even know what he was going to do. That they only had a, a small portion of God's redemptive plan. They, just, they didn't even know what was going to happen. They knew a Messiah was coming, but, but they weren't completely sure of God's plan of redemption. It says, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. They knew a Messiah was coming. They didn't know what he was going to look like. They didn't know when he was going to come. They didn't know his name. They didn't know any of that. They just knew, hey, God is going to save the world in the future. See, see we live in a time that Jesus has already come. We know the end of the story. We, we know what happens. We know how God moves throughout Scripture. They were living in a time where they didn't even see this. See, Jesus came and he fulfills the Old Testament. He fulfills the law. He fulfills the prophets. The Old Testament is incomplete without Jesus. 
So these people were looking at an incomplete picture of the world, of God's plan of redemption, and they still loved and faithfully served him. See, we, we can look now and we see that Jesus has come, he has suffered, he has humbled himself and died because of his love for us. How much more should we honor and want to love and serve God because we've seen that? The answer to that question is, is a lot, by the way, um, but that, that, that's just a side note. So the main part I want to look at is that these people who lived by faith knew they were strangers on earth and their desire was for a heavenly country. They desired to be a part of a country that was not of this earth, but was a heavenly country, a heavenly group of people. We, um, I think, at least in my case, we are not that good at this today. We, we, we are not that good at looking at our lives as who we are as a heavenly country rather than an earthly country. How do we live that way? Well, I got a couple of ideas here. I got a um, a couple of things that we can do. Um, think of eternal pleasures rather than temporary pleasures. We we are good at thinking about temporary pleasures, and we love ourselves some temporary pleasures. But these people, they understood thinking of eternal pleasures rather than temporary pleasures. Pleasures. Um, I had a friend in high school. His name was Brandon. And we, were, we weren't super close. We were pretty good friends, played baseball together, things like that. And I remember when he was in middle school, we were like 13, 14 years old. And uh, I guess his, his parents were going to, they told him they would buy him a car when he turned 16. But they gave him an option. I guess somebody in their neighborhood was selling a car um, or whatever. It was like an early 2000s Honda Accord. It was a good car, but it wasn't like really a cool car. Like it wasn't that cool to drive. But we were about 13 or 14. And he said his dad gave him the option, said, I'll buy you this car now when you're 13, or I'll buy you a new Jeep when you turn 16. He's like, I'll buy you this car right now, or a new Jeep when you turn 16. And I remember we were, I remember where we were when he was telling us this. We were on a baseball field, and we were thinking, well, duh, you obviously take the new Jeep when you're 16. You can't even drive the car now. But he was like, nope, I want the car now. I'm taking it now. And he said, Dad, get me the car now. And I was like, dude, are you an idiot? You're 13 years old. You can't even drive a car now. And he was like, oh, I can drive it, you know, in the driveway and around my neighborhood. And I'm thinking, what in the world, dude? I mean, it was a good car, but you could have waited just a little bit longer, and you would have gotten this new Jeep. He ended up getting the new Jeep anyway. But uh, we didn't know that at the time. We didn't know that at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was so fixated on this temporary, I got to get it now. I got to have it now. He couldn't wait for the much better thing later. And we can fall into this trap our lives very easily. We get so focused on what is available to us here and now that we rarely think of eternity. Think about, this is a little bit of a scary thought, but, but really think about how short our life on earth is compared to all of eternity. I mean, we're, we're human. We're, we're finite, so we can't even really understand eternity, 100 or so years. And I remember I made a comment. I was like, I feel like, I don't know why this is, but I feel like the songs that are written today, we don't sing a lot about heaven. Like, I, I remember 
a lot of, I can think of a lot of hymns, and I remember going to my grandparents' church where they sang a lot of hymns growing up, and I remember thinking, man, they sing about heaven all the time. They would sing about heaven, they would sing about Jesus coming back, they would, they would sing about this all the time. And I remember saying, I was like, why do you think that is? Why do you think we don't sing about Jesus coming back anymore, really? Why, why do you think we don't sing about heaven a lot? And he said, he said something that has really changed the way I think. He said, well, a lot of those people that wrote those songs, some of them were written you know, in the Depression, and some of them, they were really poor. They didn't have a lot, so they were clinging to the hope they had in heaven. That, that's where the thought of those songs came from, that they were excited for heaven. They didn't, ha- they, weren't, they didn't have a lot of pleasures in this earth, so they said, man, we can't wait till Jesus comes back. We can't wait till heaven. And I thought, man, have we, have we gotten so comfortable here, we don't have to desire heaven. Have we, have we gotten to this place where we're, we're so fine with being here, that we're pretty fine with the earthly stuff. We're pretty fine with the earthly country, the earthly people. And we don't even think about longing and desiring for a heavenly people, a heavenly country. I pray that this would not be the case in our lives. would not be the case in our lives. I pray that we would start to change our minds and be excited for this and see the joy that is coming for us. Like these people who are being... Uh, commended in Hebrews 11. Jesus said on his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That last line, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I feel like if our treasure, our treasure is to be in a heavenly country, or if, our tre- if that is what we desire, if that is what we long for, if that is the longing of our heart to be a part of a heavenly people worshiping God, then that, if that's where our heart is, that is where our treasure will be also, and that is where we will start to value things in our lives because we, re- we try really hard to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. And, and the point of this is not to say we shouldn't enjoy our lives on earth. We should. Life is to be enjoyed. There are so many gifts that God has given us on this earth for us to enjoy here. And we should enjoy these things. But let us be people who understand that the point of life is to glorify God and to prepare for a heavenly country, which we will be a part of far longer than an earthly one. Let us be people who understand that, because we will spend a great majority of our time in heaven. Another way I think we can be people who are uh, focused on a heavenly country rather than an earthly country is the people we should feel the most loyalty to on earth is the church. Other believers, other Christians are the people we should feel the most loyalty to on earth. Not a state, not even our country, not even the U.S., the church. Look, I, I, I love America. I do. I was born here, raised here. I've actually never left the country. I've been here every second of my life. <laughs> I, I love America. I understand some of the paths that... Uh, we may be going down from the top, or the top of our country may be going down. And I understand that, and I see the dangers in it, but I love this country, and it is still 
a great country. I, I'm, I'm reading a book right now on, like a big book, on the American Revolution. Like if you'd have told me in high school you'd be reading a book on the American Revolution for fun, I'd be like, you're crazy. You're crazy. I'm not doing a project, nothing. I'm just reading it. Something about like 2.5 million people declaring independence from the greatest superpower on earth at the time. That just gets me going. You know, there's just something about that that gets me excited. But I, I love this country. Been here my whole life. And I'm a stranger here. Because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I am a stranger here. Though I do love it. And that's becoming a little more and more evident as we go along, I feel like. Us being strangers here. But every member of the church in any country in the world, anywhere, they are also strangers. That is where our primary loyalty should be because those are the people we will spend eternity with. And I can promise you this. I can promise you this. Mark it down. Whatever, today, whatever today's date is, mark it down. I said it. The church of Jesus Christ will be here a lot longer than America. A lot longer. I can prove it to you. You know how I know? When Christianity started 2,000 years ago, let's just take it from the day of Pentecost. There was 5,000 people who believed, 5,000 people who were baptized, 5,000 people who started following Jesus Christ. So at this time, there were probably, what, 5,200 to 5,500 Christians in the world? And they were in an area controlled by the greatest superpower on earth who hated them. And they wanted to get rid of them. They wanted to destroy them, tortured them, tore them apart from families, killed them, crucified them horrible ways. They wanted the Christians wiped out off the map. And they, they were the greatest superpower on earth. And guess what? They have fallen and we're still here. They are gone. They're no longer in power and the church is still here. I think of other countries in the world where our brothers and sisters live, other countries that are hostile towards Christians, far more hostile than our country is. China, places in the Middle East, different places where the church is just growing rapidly. There, there is no earthly group that is going to be able to stop the church of Jesus Christ. It will never happen. It'll never happen. And, and we know that the church mission gets accomplished. We know that because this started in Judea with just a few people, and we're in central South Carolina worshiping Jesus. The Great Commission talking about going forth into all nations, making disciples, yet yeah, we're here. We're thousands of miles away across the pond from where this thing started. So the mission of the church of Jesus Christ is going, to is going to prevail. And that is where our primary loyalty should be. Again, we love and support our country, but our loyalty should be to the church of God around the world. And look at the last line of this passage. I love this last line says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. God is not ashamed of the people who have faith in who he is and have their eyes set on this heavenly country, not an earthly country. That, that's such a freeing idea that God is not ashamed of us. Anyone who has repented and put their faith in Jesus Christ, God's not ashamed 
I mean, we, we can look at, we can look at and think, man, I remember doing this. I remember this garbage I did. I remember this stuff. He should be ashamed. And right here in this passage, we hear he's not. Not because we're so great, but because he is so great and he is so loving. God is not ashamed. I think of Moses uh, and the burning bush where God says, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. He was not ashamed to be their God. And any believer who has faith in Jesus Christ, he is not ashamed today to be our God. What a freeing idea that is. Isn't it good just to know that if you are a part of God's people and know that because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, God is not ashamed to be called our God. So so those are some ways we can... We can start to have the mindset that we are, we're strangers here. Our primary place we will be for eternity is not here, it is in heaven. It is a beautiful thing. And and after this, um, the author of Hebrews gives another list. He talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and I like the sound of that. That, 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 that's some good stuff. I like the sound of that. This seems what the people of God should be doing, right? I mean, conquering kingdoms, obtaining promises, enforcing justice, escaping the sword. I mean, this, this, is, where, this is where it's at right here. I want to be a part of a group that, that gets to do this. I want to be a part of these people, the people that get to conquer and have authority and power. Well, let's look at the next few verses. Then it says, some were tortured. Refusing to accept release so they may rise, they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. What? How did we get there? Where, where did this come from? L- let's, go back to the, let's go back to the first group. Let's go back to the group that was conquering. Let's go, let's go back to the group that was obtaining promises. I like the sound of that. I don't, know, I don't know if I like the sound of these people getting sawn in two. And other terrible things. I like the first group. It, it seems like at some level, just if we're thinking about this, it seems like at some level, if there is a creator of the world and everything in the world, and there is, those who serve him, those who love him, those who have faith in him should have the best lives on earth. That, that, I mean, that kind of matches up in my head, right? That seems fair in a way. Had a guy tell me one time that uh, fair is a place where pigs win prizes. <laughs> Fair doesn't really exist in real life. But that, but, but that seems fair in our head, but this is never the case. It's never the case that the people of God always have the best lives on earth. Read any of the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. The Bible is a place where men and women who love God do not have it easy. They go through some terrible, terrible things. Some are in groups who conquer And some are in groups who suffer. Always. Always. Look at verse 38. Verse 38 says this. I'm just a few words. It says, 
of whom the world was not worthy. When it lists these people, the people that conquered, and it says then there was the people that suffered, and it says the world wasn't worthy of them, any of them, of whom the world was not worthy. There was a, there's a, a cabin at my, the camp I grew up at called Deepwoods Cabin. Um, it was put in a few years ago, and what they did was anyone who donated money to the cabin or anyone who helped volunteer in building the cabin uh, got to give a name of someone who either led them to Christ or was a great mentor, uh, discipled them. So they, had, they got to give a name of that person. And what they did was they took those names and they put them up in one of the rooms all around. They listed the names of the people that were living for Jesus Christ and were serving him and had led people to him. And on that wall, this, these, this phrase is written from Hebrews 11. It, it lists the people and it says, of whom... The world was not worthy. And if you were to go around and find every one of those people whose name is listed up there in Deep Woods Cabin, if you were to go around and find all of them, all of them would say, one, that God has been faithful to them because God is faithful to everyone. Every person has it better than what they deserve. God is always faithful. But some would say, man, I, f- I feel like my life, I've... I've been a part of the group that conquered kingdoms. I feel like I've been a part of the group that obtained promises. God has been so good and gracious to my family with health. And my, all my family loves Jesus. He's blessed my ministry. He's blessed all these things. And, and people, some people would be in that group. And some people would say, man, life has been difficult. Life has, man, it's beaten me down. It's taken it out of me. It has not always been easy. It has not always been smooth. Some are in the group that conquers and some are in the group that suffers. And some would say they've been in both. I, I would think of, of other Christians in other countries where persecution is heavy, and they would say, man, it has not been easy. I've had a life of grief and loss and heartache. Here's how we can reconcile those two things. And, and, and I don't want to make light of it. I don't want to make light of, man, our lives on earth being difficult, suffering loss, suffering hardship. I don't want to make light of that Reality, because it is reality, but here's how we can reconcile those things. How some people get the good group and some people have it tough and hard. We can reconcile that because one, knowing Jesus Christ surpasses any ease or pleasure that we can find on this earth. And two, we are primarily not residents of this earth. This is not our last destination. This is not our primary place we will spend eternity. Primarily as believers in Jesus Christ, we are looking for a country of heavenly beings. Heaven is our primary residence. I'm not saying there aren't things that are painful and difficult, but they can't compare to the joy that is coming for us in heaven. Paul writes in Romans 8:18, "For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us." We can reconcile those things because this is not our primary residence. We have a promise of a better country, a heavenly country. And here are the final verses of this chapter. This is how the chapter's closed out and this is how we'll close out today. And all these, though commended through their faith, there that is again, commended by faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made.
perfect. Again, these people are commended by faith, not by action, by faith. And again, they had not even received what God had promised. God has given us something much greater than they ever had. I used to think when I was younger, like, Man, I wish I could have seen some of the stuff God did in the Old Testament. I, could, I wish I could have seen the seas parting. I wish I could have seen some of those other things. Man, that, was, that would have been incredible. That, that's the greatest stuff that has ever happened. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, we got something much better. We have seen the King. We have seen the Messiah. We have seen Jesus. We have seen God who has come and who has served and who has died. The author of Hebrews knows we have seen something much better. And Jesus came and he completed, he was the completion of the Old Testament. The last line of this says that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They couldn't be made perfect because they didn't know the whole story. They were, they were living faithfully. They were living as if they were heavenly beings. They were living in a way to honor God, but they still didn't know the rest of the story. And they couldn't be made perfect because they didn't know the rest of the story. And we do. We do. We have the complete story. We know the Lord has come. We know Jesus has come. And we know that one day when we are worshiping, when we are in heaven for eternity with those people before, it will be a perfect people. Because it will be a people that is serving God all through eternity and a people that knows the whole story of what he had planned for the world. So let us live our lives by faith in him and long for days where we spend eternity worshiping him with all the people of God from every generation, from every nation. Because that, that is what this is about. That is what eternity is about. So if you would uh, bow your heads as we uh, close this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and we praise your mighty name. God, it is always good to, to look back, to look to the heroes of our faith that came before us, to look at uh, the heroes of the Bible and see how they long to worship and love and serve you, Lord. And I pray that that would be the cry of our hearts. I pray that we would live our lives knowing that we are not primarily for this world. We are strangers here. I pray that we, we live our lives carrying out your cause, carrying out your purpose, but knowing that ultimately we will be with you forever. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you have saved what is good for us so that we have seen, we have been around, and we have seen Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place today, I pray that as we go about our week, we will glorify your name and we will be a great witness for you in all the earth. In your holy name, I pray. Amen. 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 Um, I, think, uh, I think we are dismissed. I, think, I don't really know how y'all dismiss, but I think you are good to do it. <laughs> <laughs>